This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. You are good, and your favor extends to us. And Lord, we love you. I'm asking you today, Father, that you will help us to see beyond all the junk in our lives to get a glimpse of what the final word on Calvary was for us. For the cross truly had the final word. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at your neighbor and ask them this simple question, if you would. What do you see? Would you ask your neighbor, what do you see? If someone responded, (laughs) if somebody responded, a chunky guy on the stage, just slap them right now. Um, Somebody actually slapped somebody. (laughs) All right. But, um, you know, I want to talk to you about what you see. Getting the right thing in your vision. Getting the right goal in your life. So let's go to the Word of God. And as we go to the Word of God today, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. This is what it says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now that's enough to preach right there. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. But then it gets better. Watch this. We keep our eyes on Jesus, who is what? The champion of our faith. One version says the author and the finisher. He's the one who's won over our faith. Praise God. Who initiates, perfects our faith because of the joy. Notice this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now look. It doesn't say he had joy enduring the tomb, but he had joy enduring the cross. The cross has the final word. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So this morning, I want to bring you this message, and I want to talk to you about what you see in your life. What's going on in your life? What, what, what distracts you? What, what has your attention? What, what, what's happening around you? And so we're going to talk for just a moment about all of those things that have our attention. Because sometimes we miss the obvious because we are focused so intently on the details that we miss, and, and I know this is a different way to say this, but we miss the gorilla in the room. Two researchers did a study, and, and, and they filmed students, and a number of students were wearing solid white shirts, and a number of students were wearing different colored shirts, and, and they told them to begin to pass a ball. And they began to pass this basketball in a circular motion, okay? They're passing this basketball in a circular motion. As they're passing this basketball around, they then told the people watching the video to count the number of times that the people in the white shirts passed the ball. Okay, kind of an easy assignment, right? Count how many times the people in the white shirts pass the ball. 
And so in this circular motion, they're passing the ball around, and you're trying your best to watch and see, well, is that a white shirt that passed that, or was that a, a striped shirt that passed, what was it? And you're watching as they're doing that, and as they're doing, right in the middle of all of that, this woman dressed in a gorilla suit walks right dead center of the frame, stops, looks at the camera, and beats her chest for nine seconds out of a 60-second video. Nine seconds. Walks out of the frame. They then ask the people that were, were watching the video, how many passes did they make with the basketball? And half of them said uh, the right answer. Half of them knew exactly what the answer was because they had watched the basketball be passed. But here's the funny part. That half had no clue a gorilla was in the center of the picture. No clue. They had lost a glaring detail because they had their focus on the little details. They had lost something that should have been obvious because they were so focused on everything that was going on and moving around. And I know that as I've come to preach to you today, there's nobody here that's ever struggled with that at all. There's no one here that maybe had a hard time getting into one of the worship songs this morning because you were thinking about, did I, did I turn this on? Did I get this done? Am I, am I ready for this? Maybe there's nobody here that has enough stuff, enough junk going on in your life that you've ever been distracted from the greatest thing that should be at the center of who you are. But most of us really end up in that same place, and it's called inattentional blindness. It's an actual phrase. Inattentional blindness is when we miss the obvious because we're so focused on the little details that we cannot enjoy and, and see what's right in front of our faces. We miss a great truth because of all of the little things. Now, I've got a sermon back there, and I'm going to get to it in a moment, and God help us if I don't preach my actual sermon on Easter. But I'm amazed at how many of us have enough junk going on in our lives that we're missing out on the greatest truth of all is that Jesus Christ stands at the center of who we are, wanting to settle our relationship with him. And the scripture says, if we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, everything else will begin to work out. But the problem is, we're like, move over, Jesus. I need to watch this. Move over, Jesus. I got to fix this. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Let all of that fall. Lift up your eyes upon the one who lifted up his heart and his soul and his life for you. And it will fix everything else out. Now, I found in the story of the crucifixion something that I had unintentionally been blind to, I had missed. And I had to ask myself, well, what do we see in this story? What are we missing? What is lost behind the monotony of our lives? What hope is left among the chaos? And we're blinded to the details. As we look at Easter, of course, we look upon the cross and the, the price that Christ paid for us. As we look into the empty tomb, I took Christina to the tomb just a, a few months back and we walked into that tomb. And when you, I was there first thing in the morning, the, the garden was not yet open. I had a friend make this statement about the tomb as a tourist attraction. He said, the empty tomb is the only place, the only tourist attraction where people go to pay to see nothing. What would happen if you walked in and somebody was there? You'd say, I've been lied to. But I pushed open that door and that door said, he is not here. He is risen just as he said. And I walked into an empty tomb and, and we gazed upon the fact that nobody was there. And I rejoice. That's why we've come to celebrate. 
But we don't only look back to a cross and into a tomb. I just want to make it real plain today. We look ahead to the day that there shall be a shout from heaven, a trumpet blast, and we shall see Jesus face to face. We look forward to the day that we see Jesus. Anybody excited about that day when we see Jesus? You know, when you preach somewhere for this many Easter's, you, you, you want to be able to bring something different. And, and a few months ago, I was studying, and as I was studying for uh, uh, just myself that morning, I ran across something that I literally quickly pulled out my phone, I typed in the subject, uh, Easter sermon, large uh, exclamation points, and emailed it to myself. And this was the truth that I gained out of, out of uh, John chapter 19, verse number 30. John chapter 19, verse number 30. Remember, sometimes we can't see what we need to see. I had never seen this before. John 19 and 30 says, when Jesus had tasted, it's talking about when he said, I'm thirsty, and they gave him vinegar to drink. He said, it, you know this line, what is it? It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Now, in the language that Christ would have spoken, people say uh, the Bible is written in Greek, so we want to see what the Greek uh, word for this was. No, let's go further back. Uh, people say, well, then what's the Hebrew word for what he was saying here? But no, Hebrew was only spoken in the synagogue. It wasn't something you used in daily life. So what language would Jesus have spoken at this, at this moment? What would he have said this phrase in? He would have said this phrase in the language of Aramaic. He would have lifted his voice, and this is what he would have said. It is kalal. I want to teach you that word. I want you to get that word today. And so you're going to go, what does this have to do with anything? I think it's going to help us see something we've missed. It is, say it with me, kalal. And to understand the meaning of kalal, we are going to have to go on a little bit of a journey together because the meaning there is so much deeper than what we've actually seen. Actually, the use of the word kalal gives us a glimpse, and this is why I got so excited, gives us a glimpse at what Jesus was looking at at the very moment that he breathed his last. It showed me where Jesus had his focus. I ask you this question, what was Jesus looking at? What, what has he been looking at all along? What did Jesus see from the cross? And obviously, we, we know from the story that at one point he could see the crowd passing by, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The soldiers were there, and he could probably see their disinterest on their face just waiting for him to die. He could see his mother as he spoke and said to, uh, to her and to John, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And from that moment forward, John would bring her into his house and care for her. But then he looked for his disciples. He looked deeper and he looked further. But what did he see at this very last moment before he would give up his last breath incarnate? Our text today gives us a glimpse of that. There was a focus point. Something had his attention. Something had him distracted, as it were, and it wasn't just death impending to come toward him. I want you to notice the Scripture did not say, though we talked about, that he was enduring the joy on the other side of the tomb, but he endured the joy on the cross. Now, what joy could come to a cross? What joy would be on the other side of a cross? And in John 19.30, what we see here is Jesus has come to the end of the time on the cross. In his despair, he asked for water. He's given no care. And then in the midst of this, his ragged breathing, his head straightens, his focus settles, and he says these famous three words, it is kalal. Now, to understand the meaning of this, we have to understand what Jesus was looking at. 
The most popular translation of it is kalal is one that we love and I, I truly rejoice in as well because as he would have hung on that cross and he looked out and he, and he brings himself up at this last moment and he looks out, all of a sudden he, it's like he settles in and the translators put this perfect translation of it is finished in place. The first and most likely translation of kalal, it is finished. But there's a problem with it because when I say it is finished, I, I step back from a project when I'm done with it and I go, whoo, I'm finished. We step back from something and we see it has coming to an end when it's finished. In just a few moments, the sermon will be finished and, and maybe some of you will rejoice. <laughs> but it is finished. And what we see is we miss the beauty of the moment because we, we, we're looking at all these details and we true can rejoice at the fact that when Jesus looked up from the cross and he said, it is finished, what he said, listen to me carefully, what he said was, I paid the price. The price is finished. It's over. It's done. And that's the most logical and normal translation there is they raise the, he raises his head and says, it's Finished. I've completed what I came to do. But, but, but we miss something so important when we say it that way. We miss the beauty of the moment because at that moment, the work that Jesus has done is paid. It's done. He won't have to be crucified again, but we still need the cross. We have to come to the cross and be willing to lay down our sins at the feet of the cross. We have to begin to live and take the desires of our flesh and put them at the cross so that we can go forward and live a better life. We still need the cross and the work at the cross where what Christ did, he finished, but the cross is still working in our lives. So it is finished as part of the translation. But here's the problem. It's got to go deeper and further than that. And here's where I began to get excited. And, and we've got to remember where we started with this whole journey when I can't see what I really need to see because I'm so blinded by everything else. And here's what we see. We see Jesus raise his head and give the second possible translation of Kalal. It is Kalal. It is complete. It is complete. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're, if you're into this kind of thing, you're a pastor, uh, finished and complete, they're synonyms. But, but no, I want you to look at not how they're the same. I want you to look at how they're different. Jesus wasn't bringing everything to an end. If I were to finish a puzzle, I'm done with it. I put it away. If I were to finish a collection or, or finish it to the point that I, I'm no longer on this project, I'm moving on to something else. But if I, uh, I complete something, what I'm saying is now every piece that I need has come into play so that I have the whole and I can move it forward to what it's supposed to be. My son and I decided to do a project. It's been probably about 15 years ago. Now, look, I'm just going to tell you how horrible of a parent we are. We, this, we fed our children Happy Meals. I hear your own conviction is out there. But you know those toys that they put in there and you're supposed to put all the parts together? Well, several years ago, one came out and it made a, a, a toy about this big when it was complete. And, and I just decided that he and I were going to eat as many Happy Meals as we needed to eat. Somebody had to suffer that way. <laughs> Until we completed building Inspector Gadget. It would be complete. I want you to know I got so sick of fries... It took like 17 McDonald's in three states. 
They don't plan for you to finish those things. But when it was all together, the pieces were all in place, we could then see how it was meant to work because it was finally complete. And what Jesus was saying from the cross, this possible second translation, though it doesn't do the word justice, what Jesus was saying from the cross was he was saying, not only is it finished, but I have brought all the pieces together. And as I bring all the pieces together, what you thought could never be united, what you thought would never be whole, Jesus said, it's here on this cross, I'm making you complete. It's here on this cross that I'll take all the broken pieces of your life, all the mistakes and the problems. And look, if we wanted to play pretty church this morning, we could act like we were all something special and we never messed up and we never made mistakes. But I've come to be an honest church this morning. And I'm telling you, I'm preaching to people who understand what it means to be broken. And Jesus is saying, I paid the price so that every hope and every dream that you thought would always be destroyed and ripped out of your life can come back and you can be made whole and you can hope for a better tomorrow. I want to make you complete. But as beautiful as that is, the problem is it doesn't adequately translate kalal. Finished is powerful. Complete is powerful. But the third translation of kalal is how could I have ever missed this? How could I have come to this point in my Christian walk without seeing this? And it just blew my mind as I came to this third and and final possible translation of what Jesus was saying. Because you see, when when he raised his head and said, it is finished, I can almost see him looking at, at the cause. When I see him looking up and saying, it is complete, he says, I have all the parts in place. He's looking at the cause and he's looking at the parts, but the problem is that does not give me the beauty of the moment. And and you've got to understand, I'm just kind of excited about this because it's something I found and I wanted to bring to you. It's something I've been wanting to share with you for about three or four months because it showed me exactly what Jesus was doing. He is dying at this moment. He's hanging on the cross and everything about him is saying it's over. It's done. He realizes the work has been paid. You got to remember something. The joy wasn't on the other side of the tomb. The joy was right there for him to take. And he looks up from dying. He can barely breathe. He's not focused on a cause. He's not focused on the parts. And he lifts up his head. And we've always done it dramatically. That He raises his head toward heaven. And he's like he's saying to God, it is finished, God. It's done. But that's not the beauty of the moment. That he looks up from where he was. And as he looks up from where he was hanging on that cross, he looks not upward, but he looks ahead. And this is the third and the final translation of the word kalal that made my heart rejoice. It's like when he raises that head, that head that has that crown of thorns, the the blood has run into his eyes. His eyes are burning. His, His eyes are swollen he forces his eyes open and he gives that last time he says it is kalal and why i got so excited was the what that last translation means it's not it is finished it's not it's complete but that last translation says this it is my bride what he says is i no longer see the work I no longer see the brokenness. I no longer see the sin. I look past all of that. And he knows that he's come to the point that he looks past it all and he sees us. On the cross, Jesus looks past it all. And I love this. It's like he says, my bride. 
The joy was not in the tomb. See, we always think, well, he went to the grave and there was three days of worry and three days of fret. That was the disciples who didn't believe what he said. We're looking on the other side of the cross. No, this is what came to me this week. There wasn't three days of doubt. There was three days of incubation, as it were, gestation, as it were, for the victory that had already been won on the cross. When Jesus breathed his last, he wasn't in defeat. When Jesus breathed his last, he said, whoa. I see you. I've won. I paid the price. You're mine. I'm yours. I complete you. It's finished. And you now belong to me. Now, those of you from the 90s will know exactly what I'm talking about. I hate to steal from a secular movie, but Jesus says, ready for this? You complete me. To which I can only respond to Jesus, you had me at hello. Come on now, amen. (laughs) He makes us whole. He makes us complete. He finishes the work, but his eye was not on the work. His eye was on you. And what hope is there for us? What peace is there for us? What joy is there for us? You know what hope there is? To lift our eyes off of the mess and put them on the one who came looking at us. Pastor Don, you don't understand what kind of a bad week that I've had. I preached in the first service. A little lady said to me, she said, my world fell apart this week. And I said, did this message speak to you at all? And she said, I've looked at all the problems and I've not looked at the one who can fix the problems. I don't know what brought you here today, but I do know this. Jesus loves you. And you need to get your eyes off of all the why you can't and get your eyes on why he can. And when you get your eyes on Jesus, everything else will work out. Would you stand with me today? So the question is, what's standing in the center of your frame? And what have you been ignoring? Is it Jesus? Is Jesus standing in the center of your frame and all you can see is how bad your life is and how bad your marriage is and how much you don't like your job and how broken you are and how bad you feel after you do that thing you know you shouldn't do? And and, and Jesus is standing in the middle of the frame and he's not beating his chest. He's got his arms outstretched saying, come unto me, all who are heavy laden. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. And I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. We came into this place with our eyes in a thousand different places. But there's one place they should go. The same way he didn't allow even what was happening on the cross to detract him. He said, I see you. I see you. I want you to hear me with your heads bowed now and your eyes closed. He sees you right where you are he sees you it is kalal let me say it this way you are kalal the work over you can be be begun and it can be finished you can be free he has brought all the pieces together for you to be made complete you are his choice You are his bride. I don't want anybody looking around, but I want to talk to you. There are people in this place now 
there are many people in this place now who would say with me, you would confess with me, you paid too much attention to what's going on. You can give the little details, but you've been missing the big picture. And today you want to make a commitment in your life to center your thoughts back on Jesus, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who perfects us in him. If that's you, Nobody looking around, everybody praying. Can I see your hand if that's you? You say, Pastor, I need to recenter my life on Christ. Hands going up all over this place. Majority of the people in this room, thank you. You can put those down. Thousands and thousands of distractions. Thousands of things that want to destroy you. But Jesus is your answer. Now let me talk to the rest of you for just a moment. There are people here that... You've never looked up to Jesus. You've never really called on Jesus. You've never taken your eye off the mess long enough to make him Lord of your life. Some of you prayed the prayer a hundred times. But Jesus has come after you today. I feel like I need to say I didn't do this in any of the other services, but this is what he says. I see you. He's not looking at all the broken pieces. He's looking at what you're going to be in Him. He sees you complete. He sees you finished in Him. He sees you as the one He loves. And you're here today and you've either not been serving Christ with your life or you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And on this day, you want to say back to Him, I see you. I see you now as my Lord. And you want to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, nobody's looking around. I do not need your help. I want everybody in this room praying. But if that's you, I want you to hear him saying, I see you right where you are. I'm looking all over this room. If that's you right now, I want you quickly, without hesitation, I want you to put your hand straight up in the air and you say today, I want to settle my relationship with Jesus Christ. Quickly, if that's you, one, thank you. Thank you. Where are the others? Quickly, in Jesus' name, thank you. Hold them up high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm settling my life with Jesus Christ. Where are you? I'm looking around this balcony. I'm looking around this floor now. Who will join with these many that have already said today, I'm settling my relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you. I right, put those hands down if you would. God loves you. God has chosen you. He's brought you to this place. I want you to join hands with someone near you if you're comfortable with that. You don't have to cross the aisles, but... If someone's right there beside you, take their hand. Somebody prayed this with us. I feel the love of Jesus. And some are realizing this place. Jesus sees you and he loves you. God's about to change your lives forever. There's power in the cross. It has the final word. Father, I thank you for the prayer we're about to pray collectively. I thank you for the hope that's coming into life. Father, I thank you for yet even those that are still struggling. They say, I know I should have surrendered. I know I should have raised my hand. God, I thank you that right now as they pray this prayer with us, that the work's going to be done in them as well. And Lord, then they're going to tell somebody about what Jesus has done for them. Father, I thank you for your gift. I thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name. All right, I want you all to pray with me now. Let's pray this prayer. The Bible says if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. Let's pray this prayer right now. Jesus, 
by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I have many things going on in my life that do not please you. I lay these things down. I'm done with my old life. I want to be a new creature. I want to begin again. And in Jesus' name, I receive your love, your forgiveness, and your grace. In Jesus' name, I believe he came for me, he died for me, and now he lives forevermore. By faith, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Lord. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8:15, 9:30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.